0: you're listening to the locked on broncos podcast hosted by cody rourke your daily broncos podcast 24 hours away until kickoff, and the Denver Broncos will have a new quarterback in the lineup before Thursday night's matchup against the New York Jets. This is Cody Rourke, host of Lockdown Broncos, NFL analyst, and Broncos insider for the Lockdown. NFL Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. You can follow the show at Locked On Broncos. Today's episode of the show is brought to you by Ryan Holiday Book. From the best selling authors of The Daily Stoic comes the ultimate stoicism guide to success, resilience, and virtue. To accept what you cannot control and adapt to what you can, a philosophy sports teams across the country are successfully adapting. Lives of the Stoics, The Art of Living from Zeno to Marcus Aurelius is now available wherever books are sold and sportsbetting.com. New players can get a welcome bonus in a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $500. Visit sportsbetting.com backslash Broncos for more. Ladies and gentlemen, as I mentioned, Brett Rippin will be the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos tomorrow night against the New York Jets in primetime on the NFL Network. And for the Broncos on today's episode of the show, we got to go through and analyze what are the realistic expectations for a guy like Rippin who's making his first career NFL start. We analyze what the Broncos can do on the offensive side of the ball to help reduce the amount of pressure Rippin may experience by being a quarterback in a primetime game for the first time in his career. We also take a look at the injury report. The Broncos lose another starting player, this time on the offensive line. Who's going to replace him, and what are the Broncos' plans for some of the depth to bring up from the practice squad this week for Thursday Night Football? All on today's jam-packed episode, Lockdown Broncos. On your favorite podcast provider, we are there for you. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Spotify. Daily, exclusive Broncos coverage here, the Lockdown Broncos podcast. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, let's dive into the first topic on today's episode of the show uh, Vic Fangio and the Denver Broncos named Brett Rippin as the starting quarterback against the New York Jets tomorrow and the Broncos are going to be facing a struggling New York Jets team there's a lot of scrutiny a lot of criticism going uh for Adam Gase down there in New York this is a game potentially for the Jets where Adam Gase if the Broncos win this game and the Jets lose Adam Gase could be handed his walking papers after the game. And this is just something I think a lot of New York sports fans are keeping their eye on. Obviously, a lot of Jets fans not happy with how things are going. Similar unrest in Broncos country. It's been the theme so far through three weeks of the season, but the Broncos, they are marching forward. They're trekking forward in year two of a rebuild. And look, it hasn't been simple. And really, the Broncos made a tough decision. I don't know if it was necessarily the toughest decision. I mean, until you get Drew Locke back under center in the starting lineup, things are going to be a little rough on the offensive side of the ball for this Broncos Team. And one of the things you can make the argument of is Jeff Driscoll. Last week, you saw it against Tampa Bay, held onto the ball way too long. That absolutely impacted the Broncos offense in a major way. Very non productive against Tampa Bay, minus the up tempo. We got to see a little bit of Brett Rippon in that game come in and and sling it for about seven for seven for 53 yards. And then he threw an interception on fourth down trying to lead Jerry Judy in the end zone, the safety stepped in front of it, trying to make a play happen. But one thing that was a noted difference between Rippon and Driscoll was Rippon was getting the ball out of his hands quickly. He was processing the field. He was going through his reads, and he was identifying where the blitz was coming from. And so Tampa Bay, after that point, when Rippon was about 4 for 4 they started backing off a little bit and trying to figure out, okay, we can't really send as much pressure as we've gone because he's getting the ball out of his hands quickly. That's the formula. That I think is going to work for this Broncos team. Now, I'm not saying that Denver is going to come into this matchup against the Jets and go up tempo. I think that they should have that in their back pocket, though. Broncos head coach Vic Fangio did mention, though, that Brett Rippon, he is the starter, but there is a chance that because of Jeff Driscoll's ability to run, you could see quarterbacks switch in series. Now, I'm not necessarily a big fan of that approach where you're going to switch series with one quarterback to another because it's completely different. You look at Jeff Driscoll, you look at Brett Rippon, they're completely different players. You look at Rippon, Rippon's more cerebral, decisive Jeff Driscoll is more of a guy that likes to huck it down the field, and he does. He over-processes. We call it paralysis by analysis, and that is something that haunted the Broncos in Tampa Bay. So if you really want to move forward, I think the Broncos just need to roll with Brett Rippon for now. And if Brett Rippon's not made for it just yet, if he's not yet ready to be that guy, well, look, the Broncos, they have a plan. They could go with Blake Bortles next week against the New England Patriots. The Broncos will have a lot of time off between Thursday to the next Sunday. That's going to be you know approaching them. That game is now flexed from an 11 a.m. Mountain Time game to a 2.25 p.m. Mountain Time game as well in the Eastern Time Zone. So it, it buys the Broncos a little bit of favor in terms of those afternoon games. We know how they play in the early mornings. Historically on 11 a.m. Eastern time zone game. So uh, what do the Broncos need to do to take the pressure off of Brett Rippon? I mentioned the up-tempo style. I like that, but I think a quick passing game. Here's the deal. The naked bootleg is not a play that really works. I did a film review on YouTube at Cody Rourke NFL uh, where the Broncos issues in terms of giving up the six sacks to Tampa Bay on Sunday. A couple of those were linked to the Broncos' emphasis on going with that naked you know, that naked bootleg where they're going to leak a guy underneath the formation, try to hit him quick in the flats, but everyone was covered. And then the outside linebacker is blitzing free. The Broncos just simply can't do that right now. Teams are schemed against it. They're prepared for it. And I just don't think that's something that the Broncos can work out just yet. You know, one thing that you can do for a Brett Rippon to get him going, it'd be nice if Philip Lindsay returns to the starting lineup. He participated in walkthroughs in yesterday's practice at the UC Health Training Center in Englewood, Colorado. A great sign for him. But even Vic Fangio had mentioned that he's going to be on a pitch count if he does play. Turf toe is something that can re-aggravate very simply. You could get your foot stepped on, you could dig your cleat to the ground the wrong way, and all of a sudden you could be set back another two to three weeks. I think the Broncos are really trying to figure out, and they're going to make an informed decision, I think, by today or even by tomorrow's game time against the Jets whether or not Lindsay will play. So I imagine he's going to be a game-time decision for this Broncos team. You have to find a way to get the run game going. And the Broncos have come out with Jeff Driscoll. They've tried to throw the ball. They've gone away a little bit from the run. And when you find yourself down 24-3 to 3, like you did against Tampa Bay or even 17-3, to 3, and it's late in that second quarter your ability to run the ball or to have an emphasis on running the football goes away because the the clock is going to continue to run and time is working against you. The deficit is working against you. So the Broncos, I think, early on in this game, if they can come out in the first quarter, if they can establish the run, get a couple of chunk plays, then they could go with the quick passing game. I mean, how do you neutralize aggressive defenses that the Broncos have seen? You throw the ball quickly. And that's exactly what I think Denver has to do. They haven't done that just yet. The the average time of holding out of the ball has been about 3.5 to about even five seconds at the longest, that is way too much considering pressure and where it's coming from all nooks and crannies, all the angles in general. And considering that the Broncos are going to have a brand new right tackle, that's going to be another issue as well. So Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. We're going to talk about the right tackle position because Elijah Wilkinson is out. What is the reason for this? And who's going to step in and replace him? And what can the Broncos do to maybe take the pressure off of a new right tackle? We'll get to that here in just a moment. But before we do that, I got to tell you guys about the sponsor of today's episode Lockdown Broncos, and that is Visa. Now more than ever, it's important to show support for your team and your community. Visa and the National Football League know that local businesses help your community move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere are overcoming challenges in these new times. Thanks to teammates like you and Visa. Because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us and our communities because they know that where you shop matters. Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember, tap to pay with the contactless Visa wherever you see the contactless symbol to help support your community. Visa, official partner of the NFL. The Broncos are now prepared to let it rip, but they're also going to have a brand new right tackle tomorrow against the New York Jets. And look, that defense, even though they lost Jamal Adams, they still have a bunch of pieces that fly around. They uh you know weren't so competitive against the Indianapolis Colts. When you have two pick sixes that lead to fourteen points overall for uh, you know, the opposing team, and then you give up a couple of big plays as well. You know, the, the morale for your defense can drop and, and certainly what we've seen in the NFL right now, how teams are attacking the Denver Broncos. Vic Fangio mentioned it yesterday that the NFL is a copycat league, and until the Broncos show teams that they are ready for it, that they can stop it. Now, once again, on my film review I did on the six sacks, the Broncos gave up. Tampa Bay threw out a lot of wrinkles. There were times they were dropping back both of their pass rushers back into coverage and then blitzing the safeties instead alongside the inside linebackers. And they were just replacing coverage. And they were blitzing inside the A-gap. They were twist stunting. And a lot of NFL teams are going to do that. Now imagine if it's Greg Williams down there in New York. If I'm not mistaken, he's a defensive coordinator. We know historically he loves to dial up a lot of pressure. He loves to get after the quarterback. I imagine he's going to take a little bit of a page out of the Steelers and the Buccaneers book in terms of how to attack this Broncos team. And one of the areas I think they're going to attack, right tackle is definitely an area of concern. That's been a concern there since Elijah Wilkinson has struggled so far through 2020. And then I think they're going to attack on the interior the A-gap. They're going to attack center Lloyd Cushenberry. And what we saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do on film, they lined up Vita Vea in a zero-tech which means that he's head up directly on Lloyd Cushenberry as a center. And we saw him give up some inside ground to Vita due to his size and his physicality. But also at the same time too, they would line up Vita in the zero tech. They would slant across Cushenberry's face, getting him to commit either inside to the right side or to the left side. Then they would blitz that inside linebacker into that A-gap, which he's always responsible for A-gap protection. And there's got to be communication amongst the offensive line between him and Graham Glasgow, him and Dalton Reisner. There were some evident miscommunication issues in Sunday's loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I broke down the offensive line uh, from those big plays that they gave up to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. I broke it down exclusively on the YouTube channel. Debra Broncos film ruled the defining drive. The six sacks surrendered by the Broncos offense to Tampa Bay. Go check it out and make sure you hit that subscribe button. But I think that for the New York Jets, they're going to game plan for Lloyd Cushionberry. And now DeMar Dotson is going to be stepping into the right tackle position for this Broncos team. Dotson at 35 years of age, uh, last season played in Tampa Bay, and a lot of Broncos fans wanted DeMar Dotson to be the starting tackle before the season even began. And look, here's the deal. We have zero clue right now, zero sample size outside of last year what DeMar Dotson can do at the right tackle position. You know, when you're 35 years old and you're playing tackle, you don't really have the ability to move as fast as you used to. Not something with Dotson on film. He's a strong player, but he's not as lateral quick as he used to be. And I think there was a lot of Broncos fans, too, that wanted the same thing with Jason Peters. That's why they were clamoring. Jason Peters to Denver. That's what a lot of Broncos fans wanted to see. But look what's happened in Philadelphia. Jason Peters can't move the way that he used to and now he's giving up a lot of sacks to Carson Wentz. He's also injured, and this just is a variety of you know issues. I think that we talk about when it comes to offensive line play. So, you know, in in retrospect, I think that Mike Munchak is doing the best that he can with the with the guys that he has. And it's not like the Broncos' whole entire offensive line is playing bad. I think that they're having moments of of greatness. They have you know moments where they're doing the right thing. They're executing well. Then they have a couple of inconsistent moments where they're giving up, you know, interior pressure. There's a miscommunication, a missed pickup assignment, either by the running back or by the center. There is that flawed communication I see right now, and it's mainly on the interior of the offensive line. Now, when you look back at Pittsburgh and how they attacked Elijah Wilkinson with T.J. Watt, arguably one of the best pass rushers in the National Football League, you could see that was just really just outstrength, strength out and out-talented. T.J. Watt was much better than Elijah Wilkinson, and Elijah Wilkinson really couldn't do too much. He held him, I think, in check for the first series for the Broncos in that game, and then the second series on, T.J. Watt just had a field day against Elijah Wilkinson. So, I think you're going to see teams really kind of scheme against that. Uh, so, for DeMar Dotson, you know, not much experience with the starting offense in Denver so far, just yet he had to come in during training camp he had to learn the playbook and that has been a process in and of itself for Dotson and here's what Broncos fans wanted they wanted to see DeMar Dotson they're gonna see him here now I don't think that you know for the Broncos with the, the scheme that they're trying to run I imagine they're gonna go away from play action with Dotson in the lineup because like you said you you have to have that versatility on your offensive line I think that the Broncos have that at left tackle left guard and right guard I don't think they have it at center. I don't think they have it at right tackle right now. Those are the areas of weakness on this Broncos offensive line. Some of the guard players struggling, too, because they're also having to overcompensate for some of the struggles that Lloyd Cushingberry has on the interior. I'm not saying that Lloyd Cushenberry is a bad player. Lloyd Cushenberry is going through what it's like to be a rookie in the National Football League right now. And you know, I think coming into the season, and I even said it on the podcast, I felt like the Broncos would be okay with a starting rookie center because of the fact that they have Dalton Reisner and Graham Glasgow there, two solid guards, in my opinion, pretty good guards in the National Football League that I felt like could help overcompensate for a rookie and some of the mistakes he's going to make so far through three weeks. That has not been the case. Uh, It's been a struggle, and the way that teams are attacking the Broncos off the edge and on the interior is giving the Broncos offensive line headaches and not to mention quarterback play. So if Brett Rippon can come into this game and get the ball out of his hands quickly, I think it, it plays to the strengths of what this Broncos offensive line can do. If you require them to just sit back and if your quarterback holds on the ball too long, it's not going to be a pretty sight for this Broncos team. So, DeMar Dotson, he's going to get challenged. They're going to see some twist stunts coming on the interior. You're going to see some in, some inside linebackers probably blitzing off the outside. They're going to crash down the defensive end. This is something I've seen on film from the Jets. They'll crash down the defensive end, and they'll wrap the inside linebacker all the way around the edge, and that just creates more penetration, uh, you know, in inside-out. So, the Broncos' offensive blocking scheme is in terms of focusing on inside-out, near-side threat. So, for example, if you're looking at Dalton Reisner as the left guard, guard if there is a one technique on Lloyd Cushenberry which is the shoulder of Lloyd Cushenberry then Dalton Reisner will have to step down and take him now if there's a three technique on Dalton Reisner Reisner won't be able to focus necessarily on the one technique you're gonna have to see Lloyd Cushenberry adjust but if there's a three technique on Reisner he's gonna have to focus there and if the outside edge rusher defensive end is not wide on Garrett Bowles if he's inside Bulls has to protect inside out first on that play there. So that's how the Broncos offensive line is designed right now in the zone blocking scheme. They got to come out and they got to run the football. So I would run the football to Dalton Reisner's side, Garrett Bull's side. They've done a phenomenal job this season, crashing down defensive ends, getting into the next level to the inside linebackers. It's just when they try to go play action, they go I formation. Teams are slanting to the tight end side and the Broncos aren't getting anywhere in the run game because you have cutbacks and you have the guys pursuing backside free off the edge. You have to find a way to find some solidarity on the offensive line. I think for the Broncos, they've got to find a way to bridge the gap between the struggles they've been experiencing early on versus where they can be as a unit. And I think really for Mike Munchak, it's going to be a big key. Now, what are the realistic expectations? Can you expect that right now, considering the Broncos just played a game on Sunday and yesterday was their first day back on the practice field in terms of a team walkthrough and then they're going to practice a little bit today. And then they're going to head off to New York for the game tomorrow. So not a lot of time for this Broncos team to prepare for the New York Jets, but also at the same time, not enough time for the New York Jets to prepare for the Denver Broncos. So there's the other side of the coin. We like to flip it both ways here for you on today's episode, Locked On Broncos, a Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. We're going to talk about some of the keys to the game for this Broncos football team against the New York Jets and what they can do to take advantage of an aggressive defense and also go against a little bit of that struggling offense down there in New York. What can the Broncos defense do? How can they get better? And how are some of the other depth pieces coming up on the defensive line? How are they going to play a role in the Broncos rotation tomorrow? But before we do that, I got to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. That's our good friends over there, sportsbetting.com. And it is live and now taking action in Colorado. Sportsbetting.com is passionate about sports and the authority on sports betting. With their own in house bookmakers, sportsbetting.com is known for their sharp odds and low juice. That means the best prices for you. New players get a welcome bonus, a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $500. With the NBA Finals starting tonight and you got the Broncos game tomorrow, take advantage of their NFL touchdown and NBA playoff MVP promotions with can't lose offers on first touchdown and triple-double scores. Get your action on at the home of sports betting. That's sportsbetting.com backslash locked on Broncos. Before we get into our keys to the game for the Broncos and Jets, some of the things that the Broncos need to do in order to ensure they're going to come out on top, take a look at the practice report for Tuesday's practice, limited walkthrough overall for the Broncos. Also, like I mentioned, Broncos are going to practice today. Austin Calitro placed on injured reserve. Bryce Callahan has a little bit of a wrist issue. Nothing that's going to be bothering him. He was a full participant. Jeremiah Tauchu, a quad injury. He was limited in the walkthrough lineup for the Broncos. Jarrell Casey to IR. Shelby Harrison, Kareem Jackson, both as full participants, dealing with a neck quadricep and a back for Kareem. Uh, Drew Locke obviously did not participate, has not resumed throwing just yet. Elijah Wilkinson was placed on injured reserve. Devontae Harris, Philip Lindsay, and Trey Marshall uh, were the other practice participants. Harris and Lindsay were both limited. Trey Marshall was a full go for this Broncos team. And on the New York Jets side of things, Rashad Perryman dealing with an ankle injury. Two consecutive days, Monday, Tuesday, no practice. Will be a surprise if he practices or is able to go on Thursday night football. Jordan Willis, linebacker, did not participate for two consecutive days. And the Jets' right tackle, Makai Becton, shoulder injury for him, limited on Monday and Tuesday. There is some optimism that he plays, according to Adam Gase. Uh, Jamison Crowder, a a playmaking wide receiver the Broncos have to account for. Dealing with a hamstring injury was limited Monday and Tuesday. Will be surprised to see what his status is today, Uh, Obviously, if he cannot go, that'll be big. No Brashad Perryman, obviously. Uh, No Denzel Mims. If Jamison Crowder can't go, that's going to be huge. And also, Chris Hogan, uh, ribs and a knee injury was limited as well. So the Jets are down at the wide receiver position. The Broncos, uh, they might have a good favor there in terms of where their defense is at. Especially in the secondary, they might be able to play a little bit more aggressive considering if, in fact, some of these weapons for New York cannot go on Thursday Night Football. But with that said, let's talk about some of our keys to the game here. I'm going to focus on offense, focus on defense and special teams. And we're going to start things off here on the offensive side of the ball. My key to the game here is quoted under, let it rip quick passing game with run support. The Broncos need to do whatever they can to reduce the pressure that Brett Rippon may feel in his first career NFL start. And how do you do that? You do what you did on Sunday. You do what works. You go with the quick passing game. If you noticed towards the end of the first half of the Broncos with Driscoll, when they started going more up-tempo offense, quick passing game, Driscoll was able to move the ball downfield. The offense was able to get downfield at ease. They were able to capitalize against the Blitz. When the Broncos went stagnant base offense, they were getting a lot of pressure in the backfield and they could not throw. There was no open throwing lanes. Coverage was all the way across the board by the safeties, linebackers. Broncos had nobody open and they had nobody to get it to those receivers if they were open. So let Brett Rippon... Rip the football in a quick passing game, but get the run game going. You have to put an emphasis early on on running the football and getting at least three and a half, maybe four yards per play. You have to have some chunk plays here because teams are playing the Broncos tight out of the I formation. As I mentioned, the Broncos and they're going I formation. They have either Melvin Gordon, they have Andrew Beck at the fullback position, and then they have Jake Butt or Noel Fan at tight end. The the teams that are doing that, they are slanting to the tight end side, so they're slanting strong side, and then they're bringing backside leakage from a blitz And it's really, the Broncos run game has nowhere to go between one to two yards per play. And that's not a winning formula for football. You got to go out there, establish the run, and then open up the quick passing game. And if it's working, look, go up-tempo. Keep it up-tempo because the Jets, they are banged up. The Broncos are banged up as well. But you got to capitalize on the defense not being able to make many substitutions or not being able to get the call, especially if the Broncos adjust and adapt their formation on the next play if you go up-tempo. I think that's going to be a big key for the game. I think it really plays to the strength to what Ripping Rippin can do as a quarterback is a quick, up-tempo style of offense and also having some run support as well. You know, maybe go away from some of the end-around of plays. We saw that from the Broncos. They tried to get K.J. Hamler on a reverse, and Deshaun Hamilton to miss the block. So I expect that anytime K.J. Hamler's lined up in the slot and he's off the ball, defenses are going to be keying backside away from wherever K.J. Hamler is at to pinch the edge of the line of scrimmage so he doesn't have space to maybe do an end-around or a reverse. Those are things I think you're going to see the Jets kind of focus on this week. So there's your keys to the game on the offensive side of the ball. What about the Broncos on the defensive side of the ball? I've got it coined as Darnold sees ghosts. Look, we mentioned all the banged up wide receivers, Chris Hogan, Brashad Perryman, no Denzel Mims, uh, Jameson Crowder. You talk about all those guys that are banged up or injured that may or may not play. The Broncos do have the ability, I think, to match up well because I think the secondary is healthy in comparison to the wide receiving core. Now, you can't just overlook any guy if it's not a James Crowder. If Crowder or Perryman or even Chris Hogan don't play, you can't just overlook guys that you really have no idea about. And we'll find out a little bit more about what the Jets' plan is at wide receiver when we talk to John Butchko in tomorrow's episode Locked on Broncos. It's a crossover Thursday game day preview with Locked on Jets. So look forward to that tomorrow on the podcast as well. But you have to find a way to generate pressure on Darnold. And if Mekhi Becton is not able to go, you got to be able to attack the right tackle because the guy that they're going to have filling in there is obviously going to be a little bit fresh, uh, may not know the exact calls, may not know how to adjust based on stunts or whatever you know, the likes that the Broncos can throw at them. I think the Broncos can make some hay with Shelby Harris. You're going to see Dayon Sizer get some playing time as well. Call up from the practice squad for the Broncos. Jake Rogers on the offense side of the ball as well going to be a practice squad call up on game day. Uh, but overall, I think the Broncos depth, Mattel Van you have Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell, and then Deshaun Williams, Dayon Sizer going to be active on game day. Uh, You got to be able to make hay with those guys that you have there. I expect Mike Purcell to command some attention as a one technique, but I expect Shelby Harris to really come in and have a big game. I think he's had a great season. I expect him to try to get after Sam Darnold. Don't be surprised too with Adam Gase's system if they really try to go with a quick passing attack as well. A lot of crossing patterns underneath by the tight end or even the wide receiver and even tailbacks out of the backfield on swing routes. That's been something that they like to go to. And I think you saw an aggressive Sam Darnold early last week against the Colts. It led to two pick sixes. So he may be playing a little bit timid. He's still a good quarterback. Vic Fangio says he's a good quarterback. You still have to respect him despite his struggles. I think that's what the Broncos are going to do. They're going to try to generate pressure on Darnold because if the receivers don't go, the Broncos feel like they can match up pretty easily. I wouldn't say easily, but they match up well with the Jets wide receiving core that they will have on the field there so the Broncos defense has to come up with some turnovers, some takeaways in this game special teams is the last key to the game here I think it's pretty simple when you look at the Broncos overall you can't have any self-inflicted wounds. You go back to the Steelers game, there was this the drop punt by Sam Martin, and that led to a safety. And then you look last week against Tampa Bay, the very first possession, you get your punter hit and it leads to a turnover on downs because you don't block on correctly on the interior where the guard and the long snapper are, and the personal protector whiffs on the play. You can't have those little errors. And one thing I wanted to note too, the Broncos against Tampa Bay. When the Broncos didn't have to to punt long field position, I mean there were times Broncos were their backs against the wall. Tampa Bay had had several drives, I believe four drives altogether, where they started at the 40, the 45 or close to midfield and then obviously the first series. And obviously on the punt block from Tampa Bay, they started off on the Denver 10. So those uh, possessions led to points, either touchdowns or field goals, but when the Broncos were able to pin the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week inside the 25 or the 28, they forced Tampa Bay to punt. So the Broncos' defense came up big when they didn't have such a short field to work against against an offense that likes to dice you up outside of maybe one or two drives on the deep wheel route that we saw, obviously, with O.J. Howard. Uh, But outside of that, the Broncos, they just need to come into this game. And look, I think fans, too, don't press the panic button. This is a team that is banged up. They're still fighting. It's a young football team. This is a team that's going to go out there and compete regardless. I, I think it's going to be, you know, in the favor of the Broncos this week. I was looking at film on the Jets. I just think that they got a lot of issues right now, and obviously all the turmoil and talk about Adam Gase potentially being fired if the Jets lose on Thursday night. I know for the Broncos, I know for John Elway, it's personal. I think the Broncos don't forget what you know happened the last time they played Gase when he was down there in Miami with Jay Cutler and Julius Thomas. They tried to run the score up on the Broncos. I don't think that you know there's a message that's gone uh, unspoken this week for the Broncos organization, even though that Fangio wasn't around when that happened. Some players, the organization, I think this is going to be personal for John Elway and company, and they're going to try to make a statement on Thursday Night Football, and it will be good for them to come out of this game with a victory, to be 1-3 and three rather than 0-4. Oh That's a better start than what the Broncos had last season, and it doesn't get any easier before the bye week approaches uh, after Week 7 against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be a tough three-game stretch after this New York Jets team. So with that said, Broncos country, that'll do it for today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow. we got a crossover Thursday Game day preview, John Butchko of Lockdown Jets and myself. We're going to jump into the podcast and we're going to talk Broncos, Jets, football. We're going to talk about some of the biggest storylines on game day leading up to kickoff. Tomorrow's episode, Lockdown Broncos, your favorite podcast provider. Just a reminder, we are every single day. So if you're listening today, listen tomorrow and Friday, Monday through Friday, we are here for you for daily exclusive Denver Broncos content and coverage. I'm Cody York, your host as always. We'll see you tomorrow for a brand new episode of the show.